Today I'm reflecting on the nature of the sacred in our lives, what we hold with reverence, and how that impacts our lives in faith. Several years ago, I took a yoga class. It wasn't my first, but it was my last. <laughs> I, I had driven, driven by the studio for quite a while, uh, a number of, you know, for months or years, and had noticed that studio there. When it came time that I thought I needed, needed a little more personal peace or a little more activity, I said, you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to look at that yoga studio. The studio was uh, uh, the love of a young woman who had been, uh, who was an American and who was a, had gone to India and become a follower of an Indian guru, and now this studio was the love of her life. She did this. And when I arrived for my class, I discovered that she had created there a beautiful meditative space. Light-filled floor to ceiling and windows along one side, and along that side outside was a beautifully tended garden. And so walking into that space was a peaceful experience. She had We make things sacred in churches and in architecture and other places in life by attention to detail, by showing the rapt attention we have in that before us. And it was a beautiful space. It was time for the class, though, and I was only the second person there. It was... And I knew it was might not be the best sign that it was time for class and I was only the second person there. And I also knew, having taken yoga classes before, that one usually takes off your shoes. But I had no uh, peers before me. I hadn't seen where the shoes go or anything. It sort of then escaped my mind as I strolled into the main room. Beautiful, polished, hardwood floor under which we were to enjoy our time together. It's then that the instructor got a low, to, low of me and saw that I was walking into the room with my shoes on. And she went ballistic. How could you? How could you do such a thing? Didn't you see the sign? Well, no, I didn't see the sign. Well, go take them off. Well, it turned out the second person in the room was one of her friends. And so the friend welcomed me, gave me some encouragement and invitation. I went back, took off my shoes, and saved for the class. But as a pastor, in the back of my mind, what I then realized is how important the first two minutes are to a newcomer. Because I knew I was never coming back to that class again, no matter how good the preacher was. In the meantime, now this is the kicker. So as, as, I, as I left the yoga studio to take off my shoes, the instructor followed me with a towel, following my steps out of the room, wiping the already polished floor as I exited. It was a remarkable thing. It was a remarkable thing. For me, <clears throat> sort of overeducated, a rationalist, middle-class American, I thought that was silly. 
My shoes were clean. You could see that floor was clean. But for her, it had become ritually unclean. That space was holy ground. And that moment has stuck in my memory every time I think about this dynamic in our lives of creating holy space, of having reverence. Paul Tillich wrote at the beginning of the 20th century his prediction that, that the time of the Protestant church was over. Protestantism. Now he's not thinking for our, from our standpoints churches would be full, they'd reach their, their peak some 30 years later in the United States, but from his point of view the Protestant principle had been lost. And that is that we there is nothing in our lives and faith higher than God. Not scripture, not our rituals, but is the reverence for realizing there is a God in our lives that can't be controlled, can't be understood completely. It is that he began to seem splinter into the liberal tradition, which became academic, where God could be an object of our faith, and in the fundamentalist tradition in which in possessions of the word of Scripture one possessed God. And so what Tillich was forecasting at the beginning of the 20th century was the loss of the principle of reverence within Protestantism himself. So I began to serve churches in Protestant traditions in which the reverence we had before the elements in Holy Communion became lost. Or I didn't possess, as I entered into the church, the ability to understand why that woman had so carefully created a space in her life for reverence, something holy. What do we lose when we begin to think there's no mystery in life? That we can, that God can be an object of, a, of study if we just learn enough and have enough books and can get back to what originally happened. What do we lose when we lose reverence for the text? When there's a sense in Scripture that it's one of the reasons why we begin reading Scripture in prayer is to avoid fundamentalism which is the thought that we can completely understand the Bible without the Spirit's help. We begin reading in reverence, acknowledging that there's something holy here. In our passage today, we meet Moses on Labor Day weekend, out in the fields, having to tend the sheep. And Moses encounters the holy, and it changes his life. It began in a moment of curiosity. He looked off in the distance, saw a bush burning, looked back again, the bush was still burning. It had not been consumed. So he decides to go investigate. And he hears a voice, Moses, take off your shoes, for you are on holy ground. And so he did. 
there will be no other prophet like Moses, Scripture will, and the tradition will hold, because of this moment of reverence on his part. He takes off his shoes and acknowledges the holiness of God. Now, we've seen this scene, I don't know, I grew up as a kid watching the Cecil B. DeMille version. Technicolor. Later, Prince of Egypt. Our movies do wonderful jobs in invoking a sense of wonderment in the moment. But I wonder. Move one of us, a 21st century intellectual liberal Protestants, back to that moment, would we seen, have seen anything? Would we have heard anything without this ritual presence of reverence in our lives? I'm not saying that God wasn't there. I am saying that the difference between encountering the sacred and profane, between holy ground and common earth, may be simply our perception, the lens we have. And the lens most of us have is a lens convinced there is no mystery, that we can't explain anything, that God can be an object of study, that one doesn't need the spirit in order to understand. Moses approached the moment with awe and wonder, just like my yoga teacher was cleaning the floor as I had walked on to it. That was holy ground. Do we have in our faith and in our way of being as modern mainline Protestants, do we have this ritual of creating the holy in our presence? And if we don't, what do we miss? What do we miss in the world? In the Bible, God confronts us with the holy. There's two things that happen when you encounter God in the Bible. You get a voice that says, do not be afraid. <laughs> and then the response is what Moses gives. It's always, here I am. We don't even have that in our modern English vocabulary. It's a word that means, behold, I am here for you. It is both a response and a submission, submitting ourselves to that holy presence. We tend not to like to do that. <laughs> we tend not to like to admit there are things sacred in the world, beyond our control, that our only response can be, behold, it's me. That's what that yoga teacher was teaching me, that this was the space given holy. What do we lose if we haven't trained ourselves to the capacity for reverence? In my business, I have to do a lot of listening. <laughs> And over the years, there are many that could tell you I'm lousy at it. But I've come to appreciate that when we are successful at listening to the other in front of us, 
It's about submitting to the sanctity of that presence. If we haven't ritually prepared ourselves for reverence, it's very difficult to acknowledge the image of God, that sacred image in the person in front of us. What do we do? Well, we begin to sort of reduce their ideas to something we can get a handle on, or we don't listen but try to fix their problems, or any number of things, other than simply beholding the mystery of the person in front of us. We haven't cultivated in our lives this sense of reverence that there is holy ground. There is holy ground for which we cannot control but only show up. Behold, it's me. It is my suggestion that in our worship, we rehearse rituals that place ourselves in experience of reverence to the holy. And that discipline enables us to be Christians in the mystery of this world. The communion table is a holy mystery. Well, I think it's King's Hawaiian. It might be Welch's grape juice. Just stuff of common life. But when we approach it with reverence as this, this isn't ours. It isn't ours to explain. Jesus says, do it, so we do it. But the tradition has told us over centuries that when we treat this experience with reverence, the mystery of God is present. And we become before the table, behold, it's me. We do have, a, I think, a choice as modern, as modern Christians. We can go out into the world as if there's no mystery, that everything can be explained, that God can be God only if we can understand God, or we can put on this lens which sends us out into the world in wonderment. Before God's table, we are on holy ground. Something given to us to shape our lives in the world. So reverence. I encourage you to go forth in the world and find space in your life for holy ground. I'm confident there's space for you. For me, it's not that yoga studio. <laughs> it's not that one. But let our ritual present today cultivate a sense in your world that there is the holy. And may the person next to you, in front of you, behind you, suddenly appear to you is the face of God who blesses all creation with the gift of life. And to God alone will be the glory now and forever. Amen.